0: Well, now that we now going to read the names of the 72 lives lost on the 14th of June, um, followed by each group of names. The reader will read forever in our hearts, and we ask you to echo that back loudly and clearly, please. Salim Ali Niawa Jafari, Dennis Murphy, Muhammad Al Haj Amin, Jeremiah D. Zainab Deen, Stephen (coughs) Bauer, Sheila, Joseph Daniels, Husna Begum, Kamru Mia, Muhammad Hamid, Muhammad Hanif, Rebeya Begum, Forever in Our
1: Hearts, hearts. (laughs)
2: Khadija Khalufi,
1: Vincent Chagino, Fatimae Afrasabi, Sakina Afrasabi, Isaac Paulos, Hamid Khani, Barukti Haftum, Baruch Haftam, Gary Maunders, Deborah Debbie Lamprell, Forever in Our Hearts. Ernie Vital, Marjorie Vital, Maria Del Pilar Burton,
0: Amaya Tuka Ahmadi. Amna Muhammad Idris Mahmud Noura Tukura, Tukuh, sorry. Victoria King, Alexandra Atala, Mary Mendy, Khadija Say, forever in our
1: hearts. Farah Hamdan B'l-Qadi, Leena
2: B'l-Qadi, Malak B'l-Qadi, Omar Jusika urbana,
1: Ligaya Mo Ablaziz il Wahhabi, Qusiyah il Wahhabi, Mahdi il Wahhabi, Nor Huda Il Wahhabi, Yasin Il Wahhabi, forever in our heart. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Loving governments for those Hashim. Hashim Kitur Nora Jamal. Yahya Hashim, Yaqub Hashim, Fatima Shakur, Marina Shakur, Najihash Shakur, Syria Shakur, Zainab Shakur, Rasim Shakur, forever in, forever in our hearts.
1: Anthony Tony Disson. Mariam Egwari, El- Esla Egwari, Raymond Bernard Moses,
2: Gloria Trevisan, Marco Cotardi, Gotani- Fetia Hassan, Hania Hassan, Rania
1: Ibrahim, Hesham Rahman, Mohammed Sabah Sayma- Ahmed Nader, Abu-Fa- Abufas Ibrahim, Israel Ibrahim, Fatia, Ali, Ahmed, El Sanasi, forever in our
0: hearts. Thank you all for coming. There are a few issues going on in the community that I think people should be aware of. Number one, the council are now, after two years of very poorly maintaining relations with this community, the scrutiny committee is seemingly on the chopping block. Um, Now, we know that the council should have gone into special measures, that never happened. We know that the council didn't really do a good job of scrutinising itself when it came to the redevelopment of Grenfell, let alone the aftermath. Uh, The process of the scrutiny committee has always been problematic. They should have really asked questions of how to make that better with community buy-in as opposed to scrapping it. But the way that this council manoeuvres, this now seems to be the port of call. really genuinely engage with the community organizations who are trying to fight for Assemblance of Justice because it's key. Second along those lines, I think it's really important we mention LCAT or the Henry Dickens Community Center who have, <laughs> who have played such a vital role in the recovery of this community and really set a marker as to how to do it with a level of care at the center Without selling out to a council who we know operate on a very problematic basis, uh, they are they are a true, truly representative model of this community, and really deserve full support in their battle to maintain. They are, by every stretch of the imagination, what a statutory service should look like. They deserve statutory funding, and I would ask that everybody here give them the support they deserve to be able to get the treatment they deserve from this council. Um, Other than that I think that uh, the fight to change regulations maintains, Adil, Ed and Bilal went to a select committee hearing and were very frank with the government, this battle is far from over as we've seen over the last few months, the regulations even the ones that have been won, the A1 and A2 standards above 18 metres doesn't account for places like Barking, the government have hidden uh, the real dangers of things like high pressure lamina and HBL cladding, which added to ACM, puts hundreds of thousands of people in this country at risk. Let alone the wooden cladding we see at parking. We need regulations, we need the government to act a lot quicker than they are doing at this moment in time. And I would again recommend that everybody follow Renful United, Inside Housing, the hashtag End Our Cladding Scandal and the communities across the country who are fighting so that they don't have to live through what we all had to witness and live through two years ago. Uh, the final thing I'll say is that Rhys Morris is now free. Yeah. On behalf of Rhys, I'd like to thank all of you, all of you who wore the t-shirts, all of you who shared the hashtag, all of you who conveyed your support. It meant the work to him and it did get to him in prison, including Emma Deck Code's uh, statement of free Mr. we're in the Houses of Parliament, which I think deserves a round of applause for its absolute novelty. Thank you all for the support. Um, I think that given all that we've been through in the last 25 months, it's hard to see silver linings. But right now, I think that we know who we see when we look around, and we know the commitment of the individuals we see around us. And I think we really do have beyond an embryo of a very strong movement now, and I think we're gonna go in a very positive direction, however hard the, and trying that process may be. So, thank you all.
2: Welcome to Surviving Society with...
1: Chantal Tiso.
2: Britain's regressing to regress into the 19th century and doing it with our eyes open.
1: Hi everyone, we are... Really excited, equally moved to be joined by Dan Rennick today, who is a creative, videographer, contributing author to After Grenfell, producer of Failed by the Stay and videographer and supporter of Grenfell United. We'll have in our episode guide some links to I can see some of the bits that Dan's been doing over the past few years and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dan. Thank you for having me. Dan, it would be really great if you just give us a bit of an introduction into what you do and then we'll take it from there and talking about...
3: So, I mean, it's probably best I start from coming back. So I came back from Berlin, where I was kind of... I was a gentrifier. I lived in the area of Neuköll, and it was an Arab and Turkish area. Then became the hotspot, those are bars. And you're trying to kind of fight gentrification, but I didn't speak German, I didn't speak Turkish, I didn't speak Arabic. And I felt like the parasite that I never <laughs> wanted to be, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I kind of reached my expiration date there and came back. And it was the time of Corbynism, right? So I came and I flirted with Momentum and I sat around and I realised that Labour was still way too flat footed and mired in the stuff that I hated for me to really truly engage meaningfully. So, and at the time I moved back in with my family in Eden and Eden's quite dead politically, Southallism, but where I was living was. So Grove was the heart for me. There's two centres of West London. I'm a West Londoner. There's two centres of the struggle in West London and that's Southall and Never Grove. And so I went. To Grove, and I started working with the Westway 23, who were battling for the for common land underneath the Westway motorway. Mm, so, mm, uh, mm. A40 flyover. Yeah. Uh, What's common
1: land? Sorry, Dan.
3: So, land that was common, commonly owned. Yeah. Right. So, when the Westway was built, it's dissected North Kensington when it was a slump. Five years of noise pollution, mm. continuous air pollution, loss of life expectancy. A Moroccan man who lives underneath the Westway in the Goldbourne Ward, life expectancy is 61 years old. A white woman from Chelsea's life expectancy is 91 years old. Right? Same bar. So those were the inequalities and those were the struggles that I kind of came back to try and engage with. And so through that, I became part of the Westway 23. And I did a project on local history in North Kensington and befriended Colin Prescott Chair of the Institute of Race Relations, amongst many other titles he mm. holds, and we began a project to look at belonging, and mm-hmm. particularly because within North Kensington you can see, right, the Westfield development from Shepherds Bush has grown significantly, and is literally on the verge of crossing the Westway. They're building an underpass. There is this long-term, Are they? there's this long-term plan to link through the Westway, and then you've got the White City development, mm. which is Imperial College. And with those two developments, the kind of long-standing social housing within what we call Latimer, but what is called Nottingdale historically yeah. is under threat. So I began a project to kind of build the consciousness of young people so that they were holding the council to account, because I knew through my engagement with the local activists what was going on. And then Grenfell happened. Mm-hmm. I just put all I had into supporting the various groups. And so I was friends with Ed through mm-hmm. stuff that had happened before. Sure. And so on the day of the fire, I went and met with Ed outside the rugby portobello and kind of was with him, filled in the press away from him for the first day. Once he was safe, I then went to the Harrow Club where I was a youth worker part-time and set up a bunch of beds in the sports hall. And then the tenant management organisation, who obviously are culpable in many ways for what happened, though were not visible on the streets of North Kensington, managed to get in contact with the Harrow Club and say, you're an approved provider, please take the social media post down, which was my first moment where I was scandalised by not just their their absence from the moment, but then their policing of the moment at the Mm. same time, right? Which is itself very interesting, right? Mm. But so my alarm bell started to ring Mm. for me from that point on. And then I went to Ackham Village and everything was... From that point on, tonnage of gargantuan proportions came down on the community. Everybody was involved in logistical efforts to try and find a place for all of this stuff people though generous dumped and it was just a dump on top of community right and no state forces or meaningful charitable organizations helped with that relief effort it was all done spontaneously out of necessity by the community Uh, and so i was involved in that for a very long time then did fail by the state about four months after the fire and then I've done various pieces of writing. So I wrote a piece with Colin called Fight and Fire for the Institute of Race Relations, and then I did a piece, and so I've continuously tried to write and do videos, and a year ago I started to do the videos for Grenfell United, so I film every side of March, and then document whatever they've asked me to, and we'll be doing a few longer, more meaningful projects from this point on. It's kind of a little snapshot, I suppose, of what
2: I've done.
1: Yeah.
2: I guess, someone who's on the outside when you see it, this event happened mm-hmm. and then it's gone from the public consciousness mm-hmm. as a normal person and in a 24-hour news cycle memories are short mm-hmm. so has this been one of the problems with the whole oh qu-
3: definitely right so one of the things that was always an issue is that it was vocal right? mm-hmm. so before grenfell barn all of these issues were being raised mm-hmm. right the Grenfell Action Group, but also residents organised themselves. They called themselves Grenfell Community Unite. And Grenfell Community Unite formed the compact because they weren't allowed to form a residence association because they had to be part of the wider re- the state residence mm-hmm. association, which was Lancaster West. And so they had to organise amongst themselves. And in the process of doing so, they challenged every level of that redevelopment, right? Mm-hmm. They challenged the loss of the green spaces, they challenged the loss of the sports pitches, they challenged the movement of the boilers, they challenged the way that the provisions were being stored in the lifts. They did everything. For the first few years of their grievances, nobody took it up, uh, including the local councillors who now pose themselves to be a, to be champions of that community. They want They ignored them. Only after they made enough of a stink that the MP for the time, the Conservative Victoria Borwick, got involved, did the floodgates open and then there was some level of support, but the support wasn't good enough, right? Residents asked for an independent safety as- assessment to be made. They put in freedom of information requests demanding to know the materials that were being put to their building. None of these things were done. I didn't uh, you know
1: they'd put in freedom of information right. requests as well.
3: And then so what what, we, what they were left with was a, um, was just complete, they were, as I caught with my chapter, it's organising on or mute. They were just continuously muted in their calls. And then the fire happened. They were called the boy who cried wolf by the local Labour councillor, Judith Blakeman. She sent an email to the Labour group on the 14th of June as the fire was still burning, calling Ed the fire, the boy who cried wolf, right? But Ed wasn't the boy who cried wolf. Ed called it for what he saw it as. He may not have known it was the P.E. Renable planning and the RS5000 installation. Mm -hmm. He may not have said Alconic and Celotex's name. But he said, everything you're doing is going to lead to a catastrophic event. And it's only a catastrophic event that will show just your level of contempt. Right, And he was vindicated. And instead of actually treating that moment as a vindication and a need for a change in governance and approach and listening to working-class populations, there's just a narrative. That is, There's a counter-narrative that the state conjure, right? And that was always there with people like Ed, right? The most forceful advocates of the community were always demeaned or uh, put in boxes. And that will come out in the second phase of the inquiry, but many of the local councillors spoke in incredibly damning and disgusting ways about Ed based on long-term history or speculation about, who, about his character to demean the points he was making. And all of that is the kind of frame that then prefigures what actually happened on Grenfell, which was a fire on the fourth floor spreading in to the top of the tower in less than in 20-odd minutes, completely igniting the whole building, Fire service maintained a stay-put policy for an hour and 20 minutes too long, around about. In that time, a lot of people essentially got a death sentence because compartmentation, the way that people are kept safe in high-rises, was breached by two things. Right, One thing was deregulation. Deregulation allowed for cladding and insulation to be clad to that building that was shouldn't have gone above 10 metres. And even 10 metres is an arbitrary level. which shouldn't be anywhere near buildings. Some people say it shouldn't even be allowed on dog kennels. And then on the other side was austerity, right? Mm-hmm. It was austerity and managed decline because you didn't have compliant fire doors, you had a stairwell that was too thin. You had, so Barbara Lane, who did the public inquiries uh, expert report on the spread of the fire, called Grandfather catastrophic failure. And that catastrophic failure meant that the fire service couldn't afford the fire with all of their materials, right? Which is why when Danny Cotton offended people at the public inquiry on the 27th of September last year, when she said she wouldn't have changed anything about the way she conducted herself, which is a very problematic way of putting it. But actually the fire service were fatally limited within their ability to fight that fire. We should never have allowed those materials anywhere near a building. And the thing is that within the decision-making process that allowed for these things within places like bre who are essentially our regulator but have been semi-privatized since
1: 1992.
3: what are bre sorry dan so they are regulators yeah. for fire they will construct and do tests but the thing that happened from 2006 onwards was that a lot of the materials that was being put on buildings were no longer having to go through lab tests before they were being put on buildings these were things called desktop studies desktop studies came through an ambiguity with the change in housing housing regulations uh, put into place by a new labour that meant that you could combine two materials that had not been lab tested based upon scientific reports looked at at a desk like this. So we could sit down, not be scientific, not be anything, look at reports and say, yeah, it's okay,
2: right? it's okay, that's okay. We,
3: we, we can put that stuff together, yeah. right? And so when it comes to the cladding that was attached to Grenfell, depending on the safety test you look at, there's a BBC report that says in certain conditions, and it seems that Grenfell is this condition, that you shouldn't allow anything between below an A1 or an A2 standard clad to buildings. That's the new regulations that have come in, right? The cladding that was on Grenfell was class E, yeah? within the conditions it was on that building, right? Now, there is a decision-making process here that means this isn't a tragedy, right? There are enough people complicit within a decision-making process, within a targeted sale, a local authority that are non-compliant with fire safety, a central government that don't care about the lack of regulation and actually assist plastic insulation companies to replace or fight against other forms of insulation and give huge contracts to these organizations there is malfeasance there is corruption there Mm -hmm. is everything you need to know to know that probably scores of people deserve to be criminalized and stripped of the right absolutely stripped of the right to
2: administer life in this country
3: and they've and they've not yet
2: so the question would be then so why is this the case some would argue it's on the verge of conspiracy theory and some would urge to think about is it just something that rich people don't care about, poor people? Something as simplistic as mean, that? I'm, sh- I'm a student of Sivan probably more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So the, and he,
3: he, it's the market state. The market state versus the good society, right? The good society holds that you have people before profit, mm-hmm. at least in some way, shape or form. Right? I mean, we've mm-hmm. lost the battle for meaningful socialism within this country. Our battle now, at this stage in our history, is democracy versus fascism. But we're in that battle of democracy versus fascism. There is a form of liberalism this stands to say that the market should be regulated, Mm -hmm. that there should be certain things that are at least publicly owned or a mixed economy. This is not radical left-wing thinking, this is Keynesian.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: It still exists within many European countries. Scotland doesn't have the same problem because it had a fire, of garnet Core, which led to a shift in regulations and devolution has allowed them to avoid the absolute extremity that, England and Wales are living through with this thing. And just to put that in context, right? there are two forms of cladding in this country that light like kindling, right? One is called ATM, which Arconic are the almost sole makers of, and the other is high-pressure laminate. Now, tests conducted on high-pressure laminate were hidden by the government for nine months, okay. post-Grenfell, because of the public health crisis that this exposes, right? We have, and this doesn't include what we saw in Barking, right? So we have tens of thousands in high-pressure laminate and ACM blocks, if not hundreds of thousands, add Barking into it, which is wooden cladding, right? Or wooden exteriors. You have innumerable people in this country living in precarity because there is, as we don't regulate, right? So in the wake of Grenfell civil servants have been given diktats by central government to regulate, right? But they hate regulating. There's videos of this guy, I think his name is Martin Neal, online addressing a conference talking about this, and it's like he's pulling out teeth. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that it's completely irresponsible to retroactively fit to remove the cladding. So what you have to do is only put these regulations in place for new builds from 2020 onwards. Yeah. So they're not going to take this thing off every single block, right? And then there's this process that they call remediation, where they're trying to take this stuff off blocks, right? And that's been an incredibly glacial process, right? And right now we have, and let's just say comfortably, 100,000-plus people living in positions of precarity tonight, and the kids will be asking their mum if they're safe, and they're not. And they have to lie to them. And that mental health cost, right? Right? I mean, when this comes to what should be, say we are talk- Americans, right? The mental health anguish of those people. Mm-hmm. Right? When we get to all of this stuff, right? When we go through the litany of violations that this state has allowed its populace to go through in regards to this, this is billions, man. Mm-hmm. This is absolute billions, right? Because, serious, if I were living in one of those blocks right now, I'd be—I don't know how I'd live, man. Like, and and this for me is one of the most damning indictments of the left in this country because we had the whole of the left or self-identifies that mobilized because grandfather happened four days after the general election how many momentum people were knocking on doors right now how has that transferred how is that energy
2: right
3: like make make june the end of may was the call right and then the fear was that she had such a wafer thin majority a big push could have removed her from office, right? Grenfell could have been that push, right? Now, I don't want to instrumentalize Grenfell, but the reality is this is market-state economics, this is neoliberalism, this is the, everything that the Tories stand for, and we need something radically different. And if that became the message... And if that became the movement and it was connected meaningfully to working class populations, both in North Kensington and living through these conditions. Blenders to leaseholders as well, right? Mm -hmm. So in Croydon, there's a block called Cityscape. There are many, right? Where private leaseholders have bought apartments, not flats, not social housing, not right to buy, flats. right, And they're now having to pay for the removal of this cladding in their service charge. Right? Some of them are having to remortgage their house, some of them are having to move out mm. because they can't afford this. At the, no, the, cent, the central government had to be forced to make funds available to remove this stuff. They had to be forced to make funds available to subsidise the removal of this stuff for people in private housing. Right? When these contracts come, it's places companies like Ryden who attach the stuff to Grenfell who then get the contract to remove it. Right? Mm. And so people are just at the trough here.
2: Right?
3: It's a money spin and even when people are culpable for mass death, they still get the contract.
2: I would agree with this whole analysis. It's, it's the market that drives things. But how do you change that? How do you get them to take notice? Because the whole rhetoric, especially especially Brexit come in, the first headline is free trade. Market, 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 trade deals, trade deals. It seems, even, even how people talk, it's all about money,
1: mm.
2: not about people. And this is the sad thing, working class people believe the same. It's all about money. How do you get meaningful change? The people that are committed, you can see that they want to change. But how do you move their energy to the wider populace to get people to understand? Because it's, this doesn't—it isn't just a local thing. It's nationwide.
3: And there's a global element. Yeah, one hundred percent. So we have to challenge corporations meaningfully, right? We have to have. Look, so after the fire, Jeremy Corbyn spoke about compulsory purchase orders. Mm-hmm. Right? One thousand two hundred empty homes within three mile radius of Grenfell. Right, central government. They're ours now. You're not living there. Vacant homes, take them, right? All possible. All done by other capitalist societies. This isn't communism we're talking about. But if you are not using homes and there are homeless people, we're requisitioning them, Mm -hmm. right? And that is something that's a vote winner. Right? Mm. The thing is that there's populism within that, right? Mm. If you genuinely act in people's interests mm. against corporations, you will win votes okay. within this country. The thing is, you won't have the markets on your side. Yeah. And you'll have to deal with their sabotage. But let's be real. Corbyn's having to deal with that anyway. Yeah. right? Why not go ham? Mm. Right? Right? Why not go ham? Mm. He's, he, what, no matter what he says, he's going to have to deal with the, with the threat of capital flight. And at the end of the day, these lot have got billions invested within this country. They've got huge property portfolios. They've got mm. offices they have to move, call their bluff. And if they go, well, it makes us a step closer to socialism anyway. We've got a financialised economy. Right? We need to diversify our economy. So actually, it's just, the, it's just about
2: political will. It's definitely about political will. If, if there's a will, it can be done. But even if there's a slight whiff of like, socialism, the media are turning it into communism. He's a communist. And I don't think most people know what a communist is. It's just a thing that gets banded around. And it's the fear that the mass media and, this, and government create of moving away from this market state that we have. And you can see how people are really scared of it. And even though it's not in their interests, because inequality is getting wider, they'll defend it. And they believe that same narrative. So I was speaking to someone who was on benefits and their view is that they need to pull themselves up Oh, it's um, the bootstrap. The bootstrap period, yeah, it? and I'm thinking to myself, like, do you know it's not it's not your fault you're in this. The system's in place. You're telling me about the system how it makes you feel when you go to the dole office. That's not you. Mm. That's the system.
1: It's fan on again, too. Yeah,
2: depressed. people always be the worst about themselves. So, I don't know how to translate this this energy from the, that grateful moment into meaningful change.
3: Oh, but, that, I mean, there's various ways, right? Mm. But, I mean, it depends on the level you take it. But you take, like, Chernobyl, right? The HBO <laughs> yeah, production, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, I watched a crescendo of that program, and I think Renfeld, right? <laughs> so, the point at which uh, Lagazov stands in the court and says, why did this happen? And they say, well, the, the tip of the rod's the graphite. Why are the tip of the rod's graphite? Because we did, Because it's a cheap job, right? It's the same reason we need a co that the, the coefficient, right? Mm-hmm. It's, we are we have done a cheap job and we don't want to invest or we don't want to pay for patents from the West, and so we stubbornly do this. So that's exactly what's happening in our society, right? Now people can read that as anti-Soviet, which I think is a really crap reading of it, mm-hmm. but it's anti-authoritarian. Mm-hmm. And what we have is we have market authoritarianism in this country, and it's real about that. This is one of those things, right? Proper way of dealing with Grenfell would completely compress the moment we have, right? It would deal with a lot of the swelling up of nativism, of anger, because actually, what people really want is they want to see corporations dealt with, right? They want their, they want a life, something to be for, and they, at this moment in time, rally to identity causes, yeah. right? Whereas, what they, if they actually were rallying against and for a society that cared for people, that built houses, right, that stopped house house price inflation, that actually provided for people's needs, we wouldn't have this situation. But we're crabs in a bucket fighting for, what, Every single London borough is oversubscribed on the housing register by tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Of Let's just be honest. We are crabs in a bucket. And working class populations will always pull the other one down because they didn't deserve it, look at their new car, blah, blah, blah. That stuff will always happen. We're never going to be able to stop that by trying to kind of develop a consciousness within that. We have to change the structures above us that determine that consciousness.
2: Yeah. It's the other side of the equation, the structure. Mm-hmm. We need to attack structure and get them to change in a meaningful way. To get them to realise to to kind of look at us and look at themselves in a different way
3: so there were, there's proposals for laws that came after grandfather essentially after hillsborough sorry that essentially holds public officials to account mm-hmm. uh it was put to parliament by andy burnham it's had mass support it's being watered down at this moment in time okay but there are legislative changes that should have come into place after 89 mm-hmm. right after many of these things there are policies and procedures written up, there were calls upon reportage from the press. Actually, within post-disaster politics within this country, we actually have quite a lot of good examples of organising and really powerful calls from bereaved and survivors for a shift. Our problem is that we look at things in their particularities, right? So, Yeah,
1: Yeah, rather than as part of the same...
3: Still right now, many of the people who are affected by Grenfell don't actually understand the continuities with Hillsborough. Right yeah. and being able to do that would actually shift things a little bit better, right? Okay. But when people just see this as an aberration, as a tragedy, as this thing that just happened to them, it misses right what it actually is. This is a component of our state at this moment in time and its attitude towards certain populations, right? And if you trace the attitudes, then you will be able to far better understand the outcomes, right? And the attitudes towards social housing was that it was deviant. Mm-hmm. All of the changes that began with on the Lancaster West Estate happened in the early 90s, right? What, five years after Blakelock decapitated on Broadwater mm, yeah, Farm, right? Uh-huh. All of your kind of sinker states, you end up with politics of control being imposed upon them. You have fob systems, you have breakups, you have shifts in the way that those communities can be policed, and you have plans where you can hermetically seal working-class populations so that they can't riot outside. This is just state procedure, right? And if you actually understand that, that way of viewing estates within inner cities as potential kind of centers of revolt, then you understand why they do what they did, right? Mm-hmm. And then you look at somewhere like North Ken, right? North Cairn is a gold mine, right? You clear that land, which the Adonis report basically said all social housing is now brownfield sites, so post industrial, mm-hmm. so can be built upon. And this was their plan. They had a plan that would have stripped that area of its social housing and would have built affordable housing in its place. And you wouldn't have had a meaningful working class population in one of the longest standing working class areas of this city. And it's within that context that Grenfell stands.
2: But, and, and this is what I've kind of said to people. This is happening right in front of your eyes, but you've never said it. Hmm. This kind of change, the gentrification, the moving of buildings, shut, like just the whole process, like where I'm from East London it's been going on for years. And now you can see it more. People are starting saying, yeah, but it's been going on for years. When Canary Wall first got built, you start to see it spread and spread, but no one says nothing. In fact, what they do say is they blame on other working class groups. It's your fault, it's your fault. So if you're Muslim, it's your fault. But economically, you all live in the same of flats. You're all struggling. Exactly. But you won't speak to the people who are causing this problem. It's easier for people to identify with that one particular event. Rarely do people look at the genealogy of things and look back yeah, exactly. and to understand where this comes from. And so I guess it's a kind of an educational thing, but people in power I need to educate, but I think they should know better. Oh, well, they is, do know better. Th-
1: th- yeah. But this is sort of where I come back to, Like, and I don't know if my sort of analysis is a little bit more simplistic, but when it happened, I just couldn't believe... The response from the government, and I know this is probably something that you guys, particularly, that have been doing so much work for the past few years, have grappled with again and again, but I just can't believe the sheer lack of response. I can't believe how Theresa May handled it. Like, I still can't quite... But like I, It literally makes me, like, no, want to no, throw does. this bottle. Like, I, I still can't... Like, I know... Like, we say we say whatever about Tories, like, fucking bum the Tories and whatever. But this was new... To me, this felt like new levels. But actually, as you say, Dan, if we take this back to Hillsborough, it's not really new level. It's no. consistent. I oh,
3: know, it, it is consistent, but, like, I mean, look, I, was, I, I was political before
1: Grenfell,
3: yeah. right? But, I, and I... I had my antipathies towards the British state before Grenfell, Yeah, right? But I did not realize I lived in this state, Yeah, right? I fully expected the army to come, right? I fully expected some level of support services, right? It was a colonial situation, right? Like you can look like there are many critical race readings of Grenfell that, call, that will fall back on kind of internal colonialism. <laughs> And there's a point within it, I just think they're doing it badly, right? Proper analysis and proper work can make that argument, which is an argument I would make or wouldn't oppose in any way, shape or form, but it's being done really poorly at this moment in time. But if you actually analyse it, it's exactly... That. The process mirrors the same thing. We did, what, we had the charity aid single, we had gargantuan amounts of people's stuff that they didn't actually want, so I don't wear that coat anymore, let me give it to them. free wooden clothes dropped on a community... Of course, there were loads of nice things bought, loads of new things bought, but again, people don't necessarily want them, right? This idea that, well, you, you've you been given it, so you must take it. Well, no, I don't want it, right? Mm. Most of the stuff that was given was sold for tonnage. Really? It wasn't even processed as to what it was. It yeah. was weight, right?
2: By the end of it, because Mm. there was just too much of it. So people actually giving you flea ridden stuff.
3: Oh, there was that was all manner of stuff. We (laughs) literally like like, seriously when I say logistical efforts, I mean people having to go sort through old clothes, new clothes, baby clothes, like every that separating toiletries, like repackaging. Seriously.
1: But this is how I hate to make this comparison, but. Well, I think it is relevant, but this happened in, this happened in Calais as well.
3: Mm. No, I agree, but this is what I mean. This is happening
1: in Calais, like it's the, the sheer we, just stuff just dumped on people the, impoverished the, by the state. But it's, but it's,
3: the, it's this goodwill stuff, right? Mm. It's this, but this band-aid the, stuff, it's this, it's I a, give, therefore I'm good. But, I'm saying,
2: but this is the thing, when they see stuff, it's abstract to them, it's theory to them, so I'll give you something, like I said, I'll give you it. And it's the fact, it's the fact of giving to a charity or cause is seen as good enough. And it's that abstraction that is problematic because people don't see there's human lives there, there's stories there, well, there's history but there.
3: Take right, like so the wonderful stories of people mobilising in Leicester, Manchester, Barbados, packing their half of the provisions mm. and coming down. Water and stuff, that was brilliant. right? Mm. And a lot of those guys brought stuff that we needed. right? Mm. But like, if your story is, I came to Grenfell, mm. right, which is something I hear way too often, yeah? mm. what did you do, Paul? Mm-hmm. You dropped a couple boxes, you moved some boxes, you stored through provisions. <laughs> like, seriously, that stopped the actual work that we needed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Once that was all finished, three, four months down the line, then the real work started to begin, right? Mm-hmm. And by that point, you would had, to, and this is, this is the tricks of the British state, by this point, you've severed the bereaved and survivors from the community, mm-hmm. right? Now, the breathing survivors organised amongst themselves. Their office is in the south of the borough. And I understand exactly why all of those decisions were made. But these were decisions weren't made by the group themselves. These were donations given to them. And so rhetorically, organisationally, politically, you had two, two different formations mm-hmm. within the post grenfell situation, just in terms of affected groups, right? And you had the people who still lived in the area, who witnessed the event, who knew people who died but weren't family members, so friends, and that's thousands of people in that mm. area, right? And then you had the direct and survivors, right? And both those are constituent groups they should be listened to, right? And then mm. you had all of the interlopers, right? Mm. In and around that. And through all of these things, you've had a very effective politics of containment from the British state, yeah. right? And at some point we will have to map all of the ways that they did it because I don't believe they got out of second gear and I think they are incredibly effective. And it's in really important for people to understand exactly how this state operates. I mean, we sell ourselves as experts in counterinsurgency internationally, right, through our experience in the Trouble was in Palestine, etc. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what... Don't ever think for a second when they bug Doreen Lawrence's phone, yeah, that they aren't sending agent provocateurs on the ground, that they aren't organising pe- above people's heads, that they aren't seeking to sever the left from Grenfell, which is exactly what they did, if the left and Grenfell dovetailed, it would have completely shifted our society at that moment. We were on a wedge. Things changed, Things shifted there. Right? Split the unions from the breathing survivors, which, again, they did through, I believe, justice of Grenfell. And you have genuinely a great politics of divide and rule. Right? Mm. And that is really instructive. Because there was a moment post-Grenfell because of that state incapacity, because of the state's failure, because of their just lack of presence, that it felt that there was a shift. It felt that we were in power. It felt that we could build our own institutions, that this was the turning point. Right? I saw
1: that. Yeah. I promise you, I saw that. A few di- I, I went for a couple of days after, and I thought, even in the atmosphere, something's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And the way you've just described it, Dan, that all those different segments of containment, they fu- They. Fu- The state are just...
3: They're geniuses, right? And we have to know who we're operating with, right? Yeah. We really do, because actually they are very tricky, right? And they're demons and angels amongst them, right? Mm. Like not everyone who's an operative of the British state is necessarily a bad person, but it's within containment, right? So now you don't really have, apart from a few of the most vocal of the breathed and survivors, you don't really have them speaking out or challenging the process of the public inquiry, right? Because some are engaged in a class action lawsuit that takes while, well, Paul, Arconic, and text to court in America, so they don't want to disturb those wheels of justice. The criminal investigation is still ongoing. The public inquiry is still ongoing. And if you've bought into that process of justice and you're all and you're lawyered up and you've got yeah. all of these advisors, then those people who are arguing for a shift in power. End to RBKC's dominion over the north of Kensington, all of those things, they sound like pipe dreams, right? And what you really are concerned about is the process that's before you, right? Because everything else is a wager, and this is not a wager, right? And I completely understand that logic, but that logic then allows the British state to control everything, right? The release of information, everything, Right? And so we need something. I've always argued that we need something that doesn't have to be public, but that grounds that campaign so that they, the British state know if they don't do right by that community, we will light it up. Right? Now, I don't mean that in necessarily a terrifying way, but I've got no problem saying it. Right? Rodney King, it wasn't the beating of Rodney King that led to L.A. Barnier, right? It was divided. Mm. Don't ever think that the embers of Grenfell have burnt out, right? Mm. They haven't. You know? Yeah, we stopped, right? I, like, us lot, like my lot, we have stopped that many times. I mean, we've been, we've shut down meetings, we've done the, mm. we've done the radical thing, we've worn the radical garbs at, the, at various points. But actually, no, we've actually maintained social order in many ways. But, I actually think the British state should pay, should subsidise <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: that. Yeah, of a I, I just think they want you to. Uh, I think that's a contingency they're prepared for. Mm-hmm. and they really thought about that and they have formulations how they always do when there's a riot and they will blame it on the rioters, not the actual, what, what's been, not the actual history and the present, and that moment to explain away the riots, they'll blame it on working class people.
1: But I think that...
2: And that's, and that's what's scary because it's not just done once, they do this all the time.
3: No, of course. But then they'll paint it that we're vengeful and yeah. we're not vengeful, man. Look, if I, like, as I've said many times, right? if I go saw some contraband and set it around the Student Union right now, and I know it's a bit dodged, I'm going pen. Mm. If I get drunk at your SU bar, <laughs> mm. drive back to London and crash my car, what, what happens? Yeah. Right, I go pen. Yeah. right? You sell, <laughs> cladding and in insulation that shouldn't go above 10 metres, apply it to a 67-metre building with government ministers and local councillors enabling you. That is manslaughter by the same logic. Right. Yeah. We know that. We don't I don't have to have a lawyer tell me that that's not the case. I don't care about the intricacies. We know, right? Chernobyl, people had to face justice. Right. There was the state culpability that allowed for those materials to be put into the reactor mm-hmm. and the safe mechanism that wasn't good enough that made the state culpable, but the individuals who made the decision to make to do the safety test, who played with lives to the extent that they did, also had to face crimin, criminalization. Now, just compare Chernobyl to Grenfell. Nobody's faced justice in that yeah. way yet, right? Nobody. This is one of the most expensive criminal cases the Met have ever had. There's been a crisis of funding about it, right? There's been eight people questioned on the caution, I think. Mm. Four or eight people. No one's on remand, right? Nobody's lost their job. People have resigned. People have got their pay until they've resigned. People aren't disturbed, like, they've got away with it mm-hmm. the system is not built to provide justice when people like that are culpable no you can start to criminalize individuals or because at the very least these guys should never be allowed near human life again mm-hmm. yeah. it's not a radical claim yeah i'm not saying that these guys all of them deserve prison time i'm not necessarily buying into carceral logics but i am saying for damn sure the state needs to whipping up and tool up enough to, pro- to protect our lives because these guys made decisions that led to mass death mm-hmm. unregulated power leads to mass death right
2: mm-hmm.
3: our checks and balances are gone right?
2: yeah 100 yeah. and this
3: 100%. is and this is a liberal position i'm calling for right everything i'm saying here is what the state is supposed to exist for and this is what the market has done it's eroded things to such an extent that there has been a collapse of these things because actually, what is it? Like, what is the ingredient within our society that means that what I'm saying sounds as, so, that can't be accepted by this state? What is it? Because mm. it baffles me because actually criminal culpability is quite easy to establish here, right? And at the very least, there has to be something where the state sees this and goes, well, we need to do something because otherwise these people are going to wipe out. <laughs> and they're not thinking like that right so do they think that we're bluffing or do they want us to and is there something in their long term plan which makes us flaring up expedient for them can they do something off the back of it is that exactly what they want right because it seems that they're gaslighting us as I've said (coughs) right like one of like there's been like fraud cases like arrests following Grenfell prison time following Grenfell my friend Rhys Morris right my friend Rhys Morris was put in prison for, but he got an eight-week sentence. So four weeks for mm. threatening a councillor, the deputy leader of the council, mm. and he got a suspended sentence for that. And then having a verbal altercation with the site manager of Grenfell Tower, he got an eight-week sentence. It? Just eight Are weeks for that?
1: Fucking joke. So, yeah. so someone who is clearly, I can't even, I can't even speak. Like that person got an eight-week sentence, mm. and no one else. There's been no, absolutely nothing it's else of so the people that actually caused the fucking fire. I
3: like, haven't had anything, right?
1: I, It actually makes me want to vomit. Like, the they who, are the, disgusting. The guy who took
3: pictures of dead bodies left on the road outside his yard went straight to prison. don't know. Straight off the gun film, man. I didn't
2: know Why?
3: Because they, they left the bodies out. He went, was in a protected area, took a picture, put it on social media, criminal sentence, right? And it's not, we're not dumb right? Mm -hmm. We're not dumb and we're not irrational and we're not hysterical. And what we want is justice, Mm -hmm. right? In all of its forms, right? And it's a step-by-step process. Now, the and survivors are incredibly organized. They have met the state and its indifference and incompetence with incredible calm and resolve. And they have made key victories along this way, right? Mm -hmm. It's their organizing. Right? I mean, and when I say them, I mean Grenfell United. It's their organising that led to the government releasing hundreds of millions to remove cladding from blocks in public and private housing. It's their pushing of the government that's led to the shifting in regulations. They are organising so that the local plan shifts within RBKC, and if the stuff that I'm hearing in conversation actually becomes reality, that's going to be incredibly radical, especially given it's one of London's richest boroughs, Right. So there have been these key gains, right? And I'm not saying that we are in a politics of absolute despair, right? But when it comes to the real holistic change that comes from this, there's two things that has to happen. Number one, people have to know that if you do these type of things, there are consequences in it, right? And that you are not insulated just because you are a chief exec of a billion dollar company, right? And your position on the stock exchange doesn't mean you are ring fenced. you are culpable and you will face justice, right? one thing, and then it's this shift that says, actually, people before profit, right? Which doesn't mean that profit is, is impossible, right? There are plenty, like Rockwall, Rockwall, an insulation company we've had for the time, right? Fiberglass isn't the greatest thing to inhale, if you rub your hand against it, it can cut, we know all of that mm. stuff, we grew up around that stuff. I had that stuff all over my yard when mm-hmm. I was younger, right? Yeah. It's constantly warned about Rockwall, yeah, yeah. right? But, doesn't burn houses to the ground, doesn't burn <laughs> estates to the ground, It doesn't take concrete blocks and make them into monstrosities, right? And that is that's this is U.S. corporations developing plastic products that they are targeting us for sale, right? To non-compliant local authorities who don't have regulatory bodies that will do anything to make them criminally culpable. And what do we think Brexit is, right? Mm. And what do we think Boris is to Trump? And what do we think the risks are of a
2: of further deregulation? This is what I've been trying to say to people, that most people don't really understand the complexity, but when they're talking keep talking free trade, free trade, what they're talking about is deregulation. For example, one guy called, I was talking about the EU, stopped us putting e-labels in our jam. And what it was all about was this one, this one thing that had a link to cancer, and they stopped it, stopped putting it. So it wasn't the EU stopping, it was trying to regulate a market because they wanted to just keep putting this in there. But people don't understand that Free trade means deregulation. It means you're open to market forces.
1: Or or rather, it's separate from that. Or the other side of that is: what does regulation mean? Like, is regulation not what Dan is is talking about? Like, actually making people accountable and trying to keep people safe. Like, why are we? Perhaps we need to talk more about like the positives of. But it's
2: trying to explain it to people to understand that what it means. Because at the moment, when you say regulation, people don't really understand. A bit spray tape, right? And this is it.
3: This is the, and this is that and this is one of my critiques of Labour.
2: Right? Yeah, I was just going to
1: say it's, this is the fight yeah. of the left. Why yeah. have we not done so I, this?
3: I, so I, and I said it. I went and spoke to a Labour Party meeting last week, and I said regulation is pro-life, not anti-business. Yes.
1: Right. right? Yes, right? And I
3: said you can take that. Have right? it. Can <laughs> take it. Take it. Go. You got that? I'll give you it. I'm going to say it to you, and if you don't act on what I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to rinse you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You've got a couple of weeks really, because actually, what are you doing? Right? How do you fight Boris Johnson with Trump behind him? Unless you are arguing for regulation, unless you were saying these guys are a threat to our lives, because right? mm. they are, right? Cro- that what we're gonna have, like chlorinated chicken, all of this stuff, right? That's what I'm right? saying. Pumped full of glucose through corn syrup because sugar's no longer there, and we're gonna have a glut of this stuff because of America's corn surplus. And it just has
2: gone man. everything. And
3: diabetes skyrocketing. Look, we know what it is. Look but, at Mexico, man. We don't want to become an beast nation. But right? this
2: is it. But people, <laughs> people believe the hype, like. If you we need more free trade because free trade is the panacea to all things.
1: But but what the Dan, but I feel like what Dan's saying is what is really I find this as well with tax. Like just make the positive case. Just say it. Like yeah. it's so. It just doesn't. I don't understand why it's so difficult for the left to do this. Just to, just talk about the positives of the opposite of what fucking Trump. Well, the, Trump well, and like we said, is like like we said last
2: week. They're easy points to score, but I don't know why they haven't made them.
1: This is what it just always it, feels like, like a missed like, opportunity. I feel.
2: The opposition right now uh, are so I don't know I don't know what's happened to them, but they're so flat-footed. Like I said, this Tory government are easy to score points against. Oh, but
3: they've played a blinder, right? So you take Corbyn, right? Just a little thing, right? Yeah. That you take just before the 2017 election, right? Terrorist attacks. He attacks Theresa May for cuts to policing mm. and austerity. He goes policing, 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 policing. What happens? Boris Johnson, twenty thousand more police, right? Now where's you do? right? And this is that Seamus Milne and mm. Jeremy Corbyn have to wear this critique and I'm very serious with it. We've got higher rate of per capita <laughs> incarceration of black men in this country mm. than in the United States, mm. right? We've needed fundamental police reform for an incredibly long period of time. We've shifted to surveillance policing which nobody really talks about when we talk about the loss of the Bobby on the beat mm. because they're they're watching us in ways that no other state watches their populace, right? They're in everything, right? I'll give you an example when I say that, right? Uh, a year ago, an altercation happened online when somebody tried to argue I profited from Grenfell. It wasn't true. The issue fizzled out, but when it was quite uh, fresh, I went to the silent march filming, and I had one of the senior local police officers approach me and say, Dan, my name's Frank online. Dan, we saw what happened online, mate. There's four officers here, just in case. <gasps> right? Right? right. Come and find us if anything happens, Fucking right? Hell. That's the level of our policing, right? Oh. Now we haven't had a meaningful engagement with that from Labour, and now we have no ability to critique the growth. So now we have surveillance policing plus twenty thousand more police. Officers. Oh,
1: we've got vet so, Cooper saying that we need police. And then we need schools. the police.
3: Yeah, and so and so we actually don't have a meaningful leftist response, right? To fundamental issues within our society but this is the thing
2: when I said before like people are always towards China that was always the way it's going to be because these systems they they exist and it's too the benefits of a government to have that level of social control is too good to pass up on mm -hmm. you go Facebook it has all your information on Instagram, WhatsApp, and these things—you're volunteering your information.
3: Oh, yeah, and this is it. And and just look at this, this stuff, like the big data, or whatever yeah. it's called. This new—they know everything, yeah. man. So they it, know everything. there was like, no
2: other way to go, and no government can resist this. If we can join this up, it's just a goldmine.
3: Take like Dominic Cummings, right? Mm-hmm. Dominic Cummings played with big data yep. to do the leave of, I mean, he's built his reputation on a relationship mm-hmm. with Cambridge Analytical and big data. Mm-hmm. Right? All right. Say, Milton, what did you do, bro? Alistair Milne's son, right? Wrote a book on the the Thatcher government's war and the miners in the yeah. 80s. What do you know at this moment in time about what technology has done to surveillance in this yeah. country? Or political movements in this country? And how are you going to counter all of these infomercials, all of these video responses that these that are making per day, right? right? Like, just look at the shooter, in the El Paso shooter, yeah. right? Radicalised by... Trump rhetoric, and Trump spent billions on targeted ads, calling people invaders, etc. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right? And all, all of the rhetoric is there, right? So we, not, so our left, if we're serious about this, institutionally, with the resources of a Labour Party, have to develop their own media, have to develop their own big data sets, and have to genuinely fight this war outside of the terrain it is. But I mean, look how flat-footed. Yeah. strategically and tactically, they were out at this moment in time, and they've made categorical errors, which are going to really hurt us long term. Because look, however we go forward, mm-hmm. Renfall should have been an argument for regulation—really simple regulation—and it should have been. And, I, and then this is again, this is job creation, right? You you construct second exits on all existing tower blocks. Mm-hmm you retrofit sprinklers to all existing blocks, which 95% of our social housing doesn't have sprinklers yeah. the most effective safety mechanism to prevent fire in the world and 95% of our social housing doesn't have it yeah. which is in and of itself as a statistic the, the indictment that you need of this society it doesn't care about working class life right standard we know that now so <laughs> let's, let's have a politics that says it's, we have to force it to and in the process we're not saying that the state gets the contract or some Central Committee is going to make this decision. Mm. Of course, private companies are going to get the contracts to do this, right? We're going to have to buy these materials. It's a capitalist market system. There's growth. you mm. will increase our GDP. By every marker of market society logic, we're good, right? Mm. I'm not saying anything here that means that there's an ideological shift. But for whatever reason, we have flat-footed incumbents within positions that should be making very dynamic decisions that just aren't. And
2: they've messed it up, man. I don't know, I, I, I see when I see the Labour Party, I think of them as archaic now. Yeah. And it, like I said, the, my thing's been studying the far right, and since the 1980s, they've become more sophisticated, cleverer, right. use, it or use it online, and the left has been absent from that conversation, completely. And the thing is, in the 60s, the left used to be very active, but the, the right have taken the same move, the same things that they, the left used to do, and just re- reinvented them that's amazing right? and it's it's the it's the culture war they've won online
3: it's also YouTube. that take like YouTube mm-hmm. yeah. for whatever reason the left have a problem with putting a camera in their own face and the kind of ego position mm-hmm. that would make you a vlogger right so what do you have you have the right hold free reign yeah. on those platforms and all of these guys are what Watching Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, 100%. right, and that, that seriously, Ben Shapiro has done so much done work. so for well. these lot, right? Because he gives it like this little.
2: He's an idiot. <laughs> He's an absolute idiot. But yeah. this is this is the thing. So I think to myself, we, we, last week we had a, a, a short conversation about Corbyn, and one of the it's key after things. After
1: the Bracken um, result came in,
2: <laughs> like, the right have the right now have got to the point where this po- their populist stance that they op- occupy is all about personality. Mm-hmm. There's no points to the person in the left. I see none. I just see an old guy with a beard and just mumbling facts. No one cares about facts anymore. No. You can make the case for regulation and you can make it sound sexy. You can sex it up, yeah, you inject some emotion but into was, it.
3: I've, I've said for a long time, you just necklace Farage, boy. No, serious, yeah. so you see him in a public debate. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, Chief him. Like think about how many I know, people. It's so right? easy. D- That's like, what it's. Just is push him. Right, yeah. little things. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> which is going to like yes, bar. Right, yeah. little things. Right, little yeah. wins in our media. Right, like yeah. barge him when you see him. Little things. Right, yeah. but they have big effect. Right, because yeah. like, somebody's gonna look and say, ah. My man, right? (laughs) Who does that shit, right? Who actually does it, right? It's a bigger question, right? There was a lack of representation in our country, Mm -hmm. right? There was a fundamental crisis of representation, which manifests with Grenfell, but it manifests with Brexit. Mm -hmm. Now we can read it in macro ways, but every single person who voted, voted for their own particular reasons, and we can find the grand narrative that makes sense of it. Mm -hmm. But within that, there is a turning over the table because it's going, you lot aren't working in our interests, For twenty years, we had a globalist economy that meant that we weren't working in the working class interest in this country. Guided their industry, mm. right? Didn't actually provide any jobs. All of these big corporations who said they were going to come with the saviour, the LGs and etc., collapsed their projects within five years. All of these guys are constantly threatening the British state to remove their production plants, and so workers are hurt, right? And so it don't. It's not surprising that they flip up the, the table. What? really needs to be there, is someone who genuinely seems to speak for and to those communities. And what do we have, right? Like, what is our popular leftism? Not to fire shots, but Navarra Media are for the students, man. Mm. Right? Let's be real. Right? Like, they don't speak to those people at all. Mm. And they try, right? So when Eddie Dempsey and Paul Embry went on their nativist expansion nonsense, particularly Embry, Dempsey... Not so much, but Emery, man. How are you even touching? How yeah. have we got a left that a guy is calling for civic national service and calling London a shithole in the tradition of Paul Joseph Watson in InfoWars and mm. in the far right? Yeah, posting videos of madness in Lewisham, calling it in- normality, blue labor. What because he's a because he claims to be a trade unionist that he's somehow our bedfellow? No, nah, man, you've got to gun these people, you got to deal with them because actually. History of fascism says that these guys start from the left. Yeah. Many of them do, right? Fascism in its ideology isn't something that's alien to the left. It's a detour from the left, right? It's idealism over materialism. It's basically it. The the real beginnings of it is Mm. that we have to have this collective will, this power, this need, this new... Consciousness or pride, national pride has to be returned. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's just—it's like it's nonsense, right? And this is what we're seeing, being kind of soft pedaled by many members who call themselves leftists because they don't know how to speak to that crisis of representation. Whereas what they really should be doing is going: we need local media, right? Which really we need, right? Every local, every local community has to have meaningful local media, right? All people who live within a community who, who have that ability should be volunteering their time to go and do things, right? There's scandals all over the place in London, right? Uh-huh. QPR's new stadium is going to be a nature reserve, right? So they're going to bulldoze a nature reserve and build a new stadium. They're gifted to them by Ealing council, right? We live in times of global warming, right? mm. why are we getting rid of? Why are we getting rid of trees and rare species for a football stadium, mm. yeah? And... Yes, I understand the need for a QPR to expand. Yes, I understand blah, blah, blah. But come on. Like, we need to be having meaningful, hardcore debates about all of these things. In mean, Southall, they are developing land that is the old gas works. And people have respiratory issues. Cancer rates have gone up. Right? People are claiming that they are being killed by processes of state and private developers. Right? In the, this case, it's Berkeley Group who are responsible. The Guardian have done two articles on it very little mainstream media attention, mm. very little actual science going into it to, to verify the claims of the community. And all of the science, scientific data we have is being provided f- by the corporations who are paying for it, right? Which means that we don't necessarily have any level of objectivity, right? So what we need is the development of these things. And it was like, if we actually had a left that was saying, this is what we're going to start doing, if Momentum actually me- meaningfully wanted to organise... Working class communities in this country—they would have done this stuff three years ago, now. But they're not. And so I kind of—I will vote Corbyn because I, we have to beat the market state, and Corbyn represents that. But I do—I do it out of kind of the same reason I've always voted Labour: out of the better of You're
2: both the better of two evils. Yeah.
1: I feel like the things that you were just talking about, then, Dan. Like, I'm thinking and going back to what you were saying in the beginning about containment and how all these things contribute so we're in a moment like we just hadn't we just recorded an episode about food banks and like the rise of food, food banks across the uk and it's like actually it's all very purposeful isn't it extreme austerity the dismantling of the welfare state like all this stuff means that we can't organize against them because we're all under so much pressure mm-hmm. like working like it's families like are just struggling so so much like in terms of like month by month income like employed poverty is like it's huge across the uk and it means that there's all these things that are happening as you say in local pockets of communities and we can't actually fight them because at home we're on the floor mm. and that's what the state needs they need they do they, they can't have us organized so they'll just keep fucking us mm.
2: but I think and they, I think they do organize but but it's so small scale that it doesn't really turn into anything so the flats where my mum lives they want to re, they want to um, knock them down and build new flats standard gentrification mm. stuff and they organize a small group but because this group's so small it, it can't take on it can't even take on the, the developers because it's too small, it hasn't got an influence. But if working class people realise that all our interests are aligned, d- depending on where your flat is, we can do this, but there's so much internal policy between us. We all want to be recognised and if we could unite, then if, then we can be a force to be reckoned with. But at this moment, people are just, they isolated pockets. So Grenfell on its own. But what about somewhere in Newcastle? But
3: it's exactly it, right? But... So again, Sid and Andon, right? He said, make issues into cases, cases into into campaigns and a campaign into a movement, right? It's a simple process, right? Now, within Grenfell, we expose, and this is, again, where my problem with the academia comes in, right? Grenfell becomes a heuristic or a peg by which you hang race-critical theory on. I can send you 20 articles right now that are completely redundant to local struggle. Well-articulated, those are polysyllables, great referencing of Stuart Hall, maybe even a bit of black Marxism thrown in, but actually redundant in terms of actually helping communities under the Kosh of a state, to actually conceptualise and deal with what they are, right? Now, we have a real challenge to put meaningful information into the hands of people who are fighting it on the front line. By so doing, uniting those movements, right? So that people who live in blocks with cladding organise together to become a mass campaign, right? those who are facing redevelopment within London don't fight just for the Ellsbury estate, but fight for all social housing, right? But instead, you're seeing local authorities being able to pick off their problematic estates or redevelop them, right? And it's done at such a pace. It's so, like, and this is the thing, when I came back to London, I was blown away by the level of change I was seeing, right? No matter where you went, Woolwich estate's being ripped down, South Acton estate's being ripped down, South Kilburn estate's being ripped down. And they've done it now.
0: Go mm-hmm. South Kilburn, it's, done. It's, done. it's already
3: finished, right? South Acton, <laughs> job's half done, right? <laughs> like, and, like, and within five years, it's gone from the most sink estate within the local ends to somewhere where it costs £800,000 for an apartment, right? That's the White City Estate, right? On yeah. From Fontaine Road, right? Six hundred to £800,000 for a block right next to the White City Estate. People, you, people I know people who were offered houses on the White City Estate who said no every single time even though they were bigger yards, because of the fears of living in that area, right? And now you have these people buying them. And then they're buying them, and they're not necessarily even safe, right? So you have this whole economy of gentrification, and Mm. the gentrifiers aren't necessarily even in blocks that aren't going to kill them. Barking is a key example of that, right? right? So, like, within all of the stuff we're discussing here today, you see that there's the embryo of a meaningful movement that could fundamentally shift this state, if you had a left that was wise to it, and if you had an academia that were genuinely concerned about the truths being displayed by reality at this moment in time. But we live in a time of narratives, mm-hmm. and Grenfell just becomes a useful peg to hang your politics on or a stick to beat the Tories with. And it's not
1: good enough. I think you're right. It cuts across class as well. You're yeah, right. But it's such a missed opportunity.
2: If you're working class, you know at some level that this is happening whether on some kind of superficial level of if you're a reader of politics, you know. So we have to do what we've always done, do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and this, is, this tradition goes back, well, well into the 19th century in Britain. So mm-hmm. you, the top martyrs, the Luddites, all these people, it's working class people doing things for themselves. And this is how it's, how it's always been. But this this kind of revolutionary part of us has been kind of taken away. I think the last time we saw it was like the Poltergeats riots, maybe or the mine strikes. But
3: so the way to respond to food banks is breakfast clubs, right? Mm-hmm. Like right now across London, and this is one of those things, right? Organisationally, and this is one of those failures, right? People can read the Panthers all they want, but what do the Panthers do? Mm-hmm. right? Panthers start the breakfast clubs. Breakfast yeah. clubs were fundamental. Yeah. What do we have right now? We have three million children in abject poverty, facing starvation over the summer period because there's no free school meals, and the mum can't afford to feed them, right? Three million in this country at this moment in time. That means that there is probably somebody, in, especially in London, mm. in every in, <laughs> every ward. Mm. right? So, what you do, you find a community space that you can, and what, it will cost £15 pound a day to feed 50 kids. And that's minimum. Mm. Right? Like we could probably, you could probably go little and get that shit cheaper. Right? <laughs> a couple of gallons of milk, mm. a bit of bread, mm. big boxes of rice krispies and that those kids are going to be that will transform their day right and in that process we have the beginning of a movement right because we're waking up early we're doing for self mm. right but when to that we, where are we seeing that level because i agree that that's the only way forward yeah within north can i have been tongue-in-cheek but i argued for a republic right mm. first thing first this is called the royal borough of Kinslet and chelsea there's nothing royal about mm. north Kent. Mm. there's nothing royal about that treatment Right yeah. no. you divide that community you don 't even see them as worthy of support or you don 't even lift their bloody boxes mm. right you don't take anything off right you clad their blocks in petrol it 's not royal anymore so, right? and then serious i don 't want it that it should not be in their dominion we yeah. part of the problem locally is you have a cabinet system within Kensington, mm-hmm. obviously, you have a huge amount of well to do who live within that borough who Vote en masse for the Tories. So the Tories dominate and then they have a cabinet system, so they choose their cabinet. And no matter what North Kensington votes, it's always going to be under the dominion of that cabinet system and those Tories, yeah. no matter the shifts. No matter the shifts. Right? After Grenfell, the Tories lost two councillors. That was it. We expected a win that without any number of things. That was it. People don't care. And people were voting for individuals within the wards in the South, mm. for people who they know from press reports were complicit within Grenfell, and they didn't care. They don't care.
1: Right. That's, this is what right. blows so, my so, mind. It so, doesn't matter. So, so it
3: doesn't matter to them. So the only thing to really do long-term is to look at the organisational policies and procedures that could genuinely lead to that. Now, you take right Church Road, or Church Street in mm-hmm. Westminster, is actually, on a ward basis, the poorest street in London, right? Now, North Westminster and North Kensington, if you were to make them a united local authority, would be the poorest ward in London, right? But because of the nature of that setup and because of the gerrymandering and all of that, they're the two richest boroughs in London. They're the two, right? Yeah. Westminster and Kensington are the two richest boroughs in London, yet they contain within them the, poor the poorest. Right? Mm-hmm. And that is hidden statistically, purposefully, within yeah. this state, right? And anyone who's looking at a long term solution to this has to see that. By that process of self-organizing, that has to lead to that formation of that political movement that says, "Actually, look at this. This is our new line, right?" You read Paul Beatty's "The Sellout," right? Like, I've
0: mm-hmm. uh, given it oh, to a I few people
3: it. as a joke, that's right? Such a good thing, he redraws books, lines on, redraws mm-hmm. the lines of the hood, right? He yeah. says, "This is it now. This that like, brings back a level at which, right?" And that's like part of the reason that you, that part of the way you fight gentrification, mm-hmm. right? But one of those things that the British state have always been great at is divide and rule, right? Mm-hmm. So within North Ken, you go north for the Grand Union Canal, you're in bandit country, mm-hmm. right? So they they effectively divide that community with gang war, mm-hmm. right? And that's been going back time memorial, right? Mm-hmm. It's because in the DNA of the area. So... If people saw commonalities with people similarly oppressed to them and organized with them, and that, I mean, after Grenfell happened, the big MCs, the big dealers, all of them um, collapsed all of that beef and came and helped because it was bigger, right? Just like in the riots, you saw the unity across warring sections of the British populace, right? That only existed for a short window, right? The meaningful politics is to extend that window and see what's possible when people see the commonalities over the differences and see who their oppressor is, right?
2: Those things only last momentarily. Same thing like with the kind of LA riots mm-hmm. in the was it early 90s. It's very so brief. That moment, And you can see the potential. And you think, where's it gone? Because for that moment, you think things can really change. Mm-hmm. They could really have meaningful change, but whether it's state run or whether they control it, Because if we can sense it, they can sense it. So whether they have things set up in place. But those moments, just growing up, I could, there's a few of them that you can see for, mm. in my lifetime. Mm. But we lose it, and I don't know why.
3: No, I'm the same. I'm like, it's, it's that, and that's a very interesting question to ask from an academic perspective yeah. is... What is the constitutive elements that build that unity, and what brings what leads it to its dissolution? Right, yeah. because actually, really, meaningfully, it's antipathy towards the state. Yeah. Right, it's a deep and profound knowledge that the state aren't doing its job. Yeah. Right, and that's what happened when Mark Duggan was killed, and it's what happened right
0: mm-hmm.
3: with Grenfell. Right, and those were two pivotal moments within the politics of our generation. Right, and for me, you can't really talk radical politics unless you took in good positions on the riots and on Grenfell, yeah. right? They are the tests of our, of our movement, right? And the embryos of our movement. And from those two events, we will have a very meaningful politics if we can actually build upon it. But part of that is to politicise disaffected, racialized working-class people, right? Mm. Who are roadmen, mm. right? Who were politicised by both of those events, right? Who is doing that work? Because a damn t- a damn show isn't the SWP or Momentum or Labour or any of the political formations. They'd much rather organise with university-educated people, <laughs> right? Who can talk in polysyllables, who don't come out with objectionable language use or whatever it is that they exclude these people on the basis of. But actually, the change is going to come by those people because they are more willing to face criminalisation or to stare down a councillor or take those actions than somebody who has a mortgage to pay yeah, a a position to hold within the academy, right? Let's be honest, right? Like, the academy can go so far, right? But nobody expects the professor to be the front line, right? But the professor exists to defend, to advocate and to fight for the freedom of those individuals once they engage in the action. I guess
1: I've been slightly... I don't know, and I don't know if this is necessarily fair but it's just from my personal perspective. I have been kind of (sighs) troubled a bit by the silences within the Academy on Grenfell, but equally I don't want people to always be writing peer-reviewed articles on Grenfell, Mm. if you know what I mean. Like, there's there's some great stuff out there, but I don't know. I just feel like this is one of the worst things to happen in modern british history and i just feel like there's been a little bit i don't know it might be you might see a different side of this dan because you probably had lo- loads of people contact you so much but it sometimes feels like it's the elephant in the room in like when you when you're around when you go to like conferences or whatever i, I, think, there's a, I think there's
3: a cynical use of Greg right? yeah
1: right
3: i think they I, I don't i personally haven't seen much academic work that i would I mean, I'd highly recommend Organised State Abandonment by Brenna Bandar. I think that's one of the best pieces that's been written on Grenfell. Uh, but Inside Housing, right? The work of people like Luke Barrett and Peter Apps put mm. shame to academia. Absolute inside shame to Housing has been
1: amazing, yeah.
3: Absolute shame to academia. And that's, look, they followed the story where it's supposed to go, right? Mm. Look, up, 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 let me put it in the most blunt and probably offensive way, right? academia basically responded, like, look at the amount of Muslims who died. This is a state race crime. That's it. Two years along the line, it's the same argument, right? Yeah. Inside housing, look at that, look at the particularities. Also refer to the Danny Dooling report that says that an over-determined number of black and brown people live yeah. above the fourth floor on tower blocks and actually are the most likely to live there despite being smallest demographic, right? Which tells you the structural racism that we're confronting, right? But the actual fundamental issue of Grenfell extends way beyond that, mm-hmm. and it and it applies. Like I, I went to Quaddis Park House in Newcastle. Only over 45s were there, right? majority white because yeah. it's a different city, right? State put policy, crowding on the exterior, no fire sprinklers, right? We one of the buildings we did the projections on as part of the campaign with Grenfell United. Now, how does that academic work? actually apply to those people either you take it out of the analysis right which means that so there's some phrases that i've pulled up academics for where they basically make the white death at grenfell proximity to black and brown lives right and they strip class right and it's just basically this is the this is the level of contempt that the state holds towards black and brown people and if you happen to live in proximity and you're white, but that loses the fact that this state has killed working class white people as powerful a course ever since time immemorial at the height of the British Empire. It doesn't care.
2: But the zeitgeist is at the moment identity, right? Mm-hmm. And so I sell books on identity. I I sell my career on identity. This is what people do. And class is being stripped from the analysis and so no one really talks about class really. Oh. When it, Really, they, they treat each, each form of marginalisation as separate boxes, but they all intersect. Mm. The way people understand them is individual entities, it's really about bringing class back into the analysis, really. It's not something we downplay race or gender, whatever a, it will But it's part of it. It's part of the analysis. Mm. But if you strip out class, class is a uniter, it's a leveller.
1: You also give people the opportunity to take class for themselves in a way that isn't this is it. inclusive of but, but genu- everyone.
3: Genuine class politics makes academics uncomfortable, yeah. right? Because actually, mm. by by by, for the very nature, the books you read, the conversations you have, right, working class organizing, it's quite hard, right? Like genuinely, like I understand the bridge that they are building, right? But like you have to go at a slower pace, right? You can't talk in the polysyllables. People aren't going to fucking read Foucault, yeah? Mm. And like everyone should read Foucault anyway, right? Some people learn and know through lived experience. What they need is Mm. hope, right? And they need structure, and they need like somebody willing to do that work and then encouraging it, right? It's actually not rocket science. Right, mm-hmm. And like, I think that, as I've said within more, all my engagements with academics, I say that there is a real window here that's not closed, right? It's not closed. Like, there is a very real need for people who are in the know to put that knowledge in the hands of the people who will take the struggle forward, right? And that's not your students, and it's not the one who will attend every one of your lectures. It's generally the person that you walk past outside the chicken shop at night. It's yeah? the ends, man. Right? It's the ends that right? man. And so within areas like this, it's not just the students who come here, it's the people who are on the roads, who should be politicised by this institution, and that should percolate beyond, right? But if the academy continues to work hematically sealed from the communities at the cost of this state, Academics, when the time comes for the revolt, Goldsmiths will get it just like the High Street will get it, right? And that's it, right? These places aren't insulated from these things; they are part, or part and parcel of it, right?
1: That's a really good place to end. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for having um, me. It's a longer episode, but it's been important, and it's, it's deep. It's, it's deep. deep. We're so grateful for you, you joining us. Yeah, we'll have some links to stuff that you can follow in the episode guide. Thank you so much.
2: Cheers, bye.